The series finale of Mr. Robot is over, but we are just getting started here on Post Show Recaps, unpacking everything that's just went down. Very thankful for Mr. Robot here. Uh, thank you very much, oh, Mr. Roboto. And thank you very much, oh, Antonio Mazzaro, for being here with me, Josh Wigley, on this podcast. Wait, Josh Wigley? Yeah, that's me. That's the real me. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> Josh Wiggler Hello, me, has been a front this, this whole time. <laughs> uh, it's Josh Wiggly is the real me. And I just feel like showing you all my true self today. I can understand why you would want to mask uh, if your name were actually Wiggly. Uh, I yeah. can see why you might. Oh, it's not that much of a, of a sway hey, one way or the, the other. Better than the Wiggly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I guess that may be true. It totally depends on uh, how you get your kicks. But this That's is how true. we get Go our kicks, Antonio, is talking Mr. Robot. And the opportunities to do so are vanishing, just as Mr. Robot, the series itself, has vanished. Uh, as you're listening to this podcast... Show's over, folks. Uh, we'd say time to go home, but there's 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 much to be said. There's much to discuss. There's a lot to to sift through. As we're as, as Antonio and I, we're going to give you our first reactions here to this uh, this two part series finale from Sam Esmail, uh, starring Rami Malek front and center with a whole bunch of the greater expanded extended Mister Robot universe along for the ride. We walked into this week, Antonio, wondering, is this all in Elliot's head? Is this some sort of time travel thing? Is this some kind of parallel universe? Did the machine work? Who is the other one? What is going on here, I think, was the primary question. And uh, we we walk away with answers today. Uh, some more confusion, I'm sure, for some people uh, as well. Even for you and I, I, I expect, Antonio, there's going to be a lot that you and I are going to puzzle out in sure. our conversation. But this is all just spoiler buffer. If you haven't seen the episode yet, get out of here. Go watch the episode. Don't just come in here to listen like how did they end mr robot you're not going to get a lot out of this if this is like if that's the reason why you're listening to this podcast because you tuned out of mr robot you're like what happened on the show none of it's really going to make sense to you so just go watch the show and then listen to the podcast would be the the recommendation the other thing we would recommend is for you to get your feedback in this is the penultimate mr robot podcast here on post show recaps not the final final part one of a two-part series finale if you will uh we will be back in a couple of days taking your feedback and answering your questions, uh, doing a longer view of the series, I'm sure. Antonio and I are planning on recording that podcast this coming Thursday, uh, one day before I get out of this country, Dom DiPiero style, uh, and, and never look back. And by never look back, I mean I will look back in about three weeks. Uh, so we've got, we've got one last shot at a Mr. Robot podcast here. Get that feedback in, mrrobot at postshowrecaps.com. You can also tweet at us, at postshowrecaps is our Twitter account. I'm at Round Howard. Antonio is at AC Mazzaro. Uh, how many Zs? How many Rs? Two Zs, one R, and zero plane crashes. Zero plane crashes. Thank God. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, <laughs> so that's it. That's the preamble. Let's talk about this, Antonio. And I'm not even, I'm not even sure where to start other than, like, I, I think... I think for me the the and and the thing that we talked about a lot in the in the run up to this episode is uh 
I'm so confused, so I'm in for the ride. Sam Esmail, just do to me whatever you're about to do, and let's just see what that is. And now we've seen what it is, and I, I, I think we probably should just start like emotionally, right? Like emotionally, I'm feeling uh, very fulfilled. How are you feeling? I'm feeling very fulfilled. I'm feeling very drained. I'm feeling all of the things. I'm feeling every emotion at once uh, in many ways because it is the end of a thing and because it's a thing that we've invested so much time and care into uh, as far as the emotional ability or I'm sorry, the ability of the ending or the story to deliver on the emotions of the story. I think it's a, an incredible success. Uh, you can chalk it all up to the way that everything is put together on the show from the performances to the music on down, uh, as we always talk about. It's just a meticulously, perfectly well-constructed show in that regard. Uh, as far as the story goes, it's a lot uh, it, It's a lot in the realm of what we have talked about a lot this season on the show. Uh, and I think if you look at the cyclical nature of the story, uh, beginning with Hello, Friend, and ending with Hello, Elliot... Um, I, I find that we're that Elliot himself is probably in a better space now. He doesn't have to talk to the friends in his head. He has formed a relationship uh, with his sister. It would be very interesting to see, of course, uh, when Elliot wakes up, what Elliot knows of everything that's gone on. If the uh, Jupiter and Beyond the Infinite 2001 ending means that all of that information is downloaded into Elliot uh, as he wakes up or uh, what level he has had active participation in all this. And I think we should talk about it. But I, I, on the whole, I find it very fulfilling. But again, like you, that's because I was in the uh, just sit back and let's see what happens mode. I wasn't in uh, heavily invested in one theory mode. Uh, I'm sure there are people who are listening to this right now who were heavily invested in a theory or two theories or three right. theories or whoever. What's 1116, yes, man? Right, right, uh. right, right. Or, you know, Tyrell Right, right, right. Any of these things that people put a lot of time and effort into. I hope those people are as emotionally fulfilled as those of us who, by the end of the series, were happy to be in a position to see what the show did uh, and wanting to see what the sit big in the theater, was. you know, sit yeah. in the theater with the the rest right. of the personalities, as it were. Right. It was a big right. empty theater with enough room for all of your friends. Uh, I'd, I'd like to think. Uh, yeah. You know, I hope those all seats, of my friends would definitely fit in there. I, I, hope, I hope those seats would recline. Yeah. Uh, you know, so a it, too big. it was it was it was wonderful. I, I, I really loved it. I was you know, we're talking Antonio and I have have uh, watched the episode uh, several hours ago at the point that you and I are talking right now, Antonio. Uh, it, it took me a, a moment to to fully get on board with some of the things that I feel today I am fully on board with. So I think it's going to be a, a little bit of like a head scratcher in certain regards. It's obviously complicated. A lot of the information that we're getting, um, it certainly is series redefining. You know, that that comment from Sam Esmail in the series regular podcast I did with him at The Hollywood Reporter uh, and the, the subsequent interviews that I did with him about the other one and everything like that. Uh, you know, he stressed it. It is going to make you want to watch that again. And it is going to redefine the way that the show plays and it's it's certainly we, we already felt that uh by the end of 407 uh you know when when we got all, when we got all the information about the, the 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 source of elliot's trauma and and the horrible abuse he sustained um from his father in his childhood that already recolored so much uh but what we get here in the finale certainly does the same thing uh in terms of when you go back and you watch mr robot you're not going to be able to watch it quite the same way. Uh, the Elliot Alderson that we've been on this journey with this entire time, 
it's not quite the full picture. Uh, the the main character of this show, he himself is uh, is is yet another personality developed by Elliot Alderson in order to cope with the stress of the world, in order to to build a better future for himself, in order to to channel some of that rage towards some better world that he himself can live in someday, uh, because he loves himself so much, this part of himself that wants something better for himself. At least that's that's my understanding of it. And if if we're going to now break it down into into terms, if we know that Mr. Robot is the protector and that has been that character's role throughout the journey of Mr. Robot, the series, and his role in Elliot Alderson's life, then the Elliot that we have been tracking uh, from the beginning through now uh, is is labeled the mastermind uh, in in this episode. Uh, that this is a, a facet of Elliot that basically put the real Elliot, uh, the the more whole Elliot, the fuller Elliot, back in uh, the the back of the warehouse. But it's a nice corner of the warehouse, Antonio, where like you're gonna you're getting close to marrying Angela, and you've got a nice apartment, and you got a good job. Like things seem pretty nice in that world until you get beaten to death by yourself. That's no good. Uh, but 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 it but it does seem like that Elliot that was the rub that that Elliot that we got to meet at the end of last episode and we got to spend some time with um, in the beginning of this episode is probably the closest to um, the real idealized version, and that's like the version that the mastermind has been striving for to to some degree has been fighting for. And when push comes to shove and it's time to to relinquish that control. Uh, He's just having a little bit of a hard time letting go, not unlike the audience's relationship with the show. Like, we don't want to say goodbye. We don't want to leave. We want more stories in this universe, but we all got to go. And I, I thought that that was such a poignant moment when um, when Elliot tells us, like, this only works if you leave, too. Right. Uh, and, and we all go into the movie theater and we get to re-experience Elliot's life through, uh, like you say, the, the big 2001 homage, which, Antonio, I, I texted this to you when I saw that happen. I literally just, like, said out loud at my TV screen. like, oh man, Antonio's so good at this. Uh, that, that you had called the 2001 of it all. That we, we really get like the end of 2001 here at the end of Mr. Robot as we're racing through this light tunnel that turns out to be his eye, which I... I of, and of course we end on an eye, right Antonio? Yes, of course we end on an eye. We end on an eye... Because of course we ended an eye. You're a big eye fan, right? You're I love fan of eyes. You know, I'm I'm a fan of eyes as long as they stay in your head, and I love them as a, as a visual motif in my pop, in my pop culture. <laughs> um, but I, I I I certainly took that to mean that the real Elliot's waking up. He's a full person now. Um, he's ready to really recover. Uh, he's been through everything that he's been through. Whatever happened happened. I don't know how much into that we want to get. We believe on this podcast. On this podcast, we believe, Darlene. Alderson, who tells yes. us that everything that happened on Mr. Robot happened in the real world. I am not going to challenge that. I am not going to entertain any notions to the contrary. If you're going to write in with your gobbledygook theories about how all of this is in Elliot's head, I am going to rage at them. Feel free to write them, but I shall rage at them and disbelieve them. I will believe that everything that happened on Mr. Robot uh, as it pertains to the to the universe of 2015, where F Society was developed in order to take down Ecor and eventually the Deus group and eventually uh, White Rose herself and destroyed the machine, which clearly didn't really work. Uh, all of that's real. All of that absolutely happened. What wasn't 
totally the full story is Elliot himself. And I think that that really tracks with the way that the show had played out from the beginning. And I think that the Elliot, who we're not going to get to see what that guy looks like moving forward because the story is over and he doesn't need us anymore. We don't get to have that view of him anymore. Um, I think that that's going to be a fuller Elliot who remembers all of these experiences and is ready to move on with his life with these people inside of him who've been along with him for this journey, who have helped him out so much along the way, um, still being carried forward with him. The disassociative identity disorder has been on show uh, throughout without our realization constantly uh, as to the full nature of it, right? That's the whole story of season one as we're watching and we're seeing Christian Slater and we're meeting him as the leader of F society. And then we, of course, by the end of that season, realize that's Elliot. That's the same guy. It's been on display the whole time. Uh, And we've seen it throughout with Elliot bringing Magda to life in what we, I think at the time, had labeled as visions or memories uh, are now clearly just he's manifesting uh, into his reality, uh, this version of this character, this woman, uh, because there is some part of him that feels a type of way about how he was treated. So we, we find that in the download from Krista. Similarly, we have young Elliot, as we have seen throughout the show, various manifestations of young Elliot. And we know that that's another part of his personality. It only makes sense that the Elliot that we've seen was not the whole, because clearly there are these other parts of him that we have been introduced to throughout the show that we have seen floating around either as active characters or participants like Mr. Robot or to an extent young Elliot or as more passive participants, but still very much on show as in the case of Magda. To me, it makes great sense that even in light of that, the Elliot that we have would never be the full Elliot. And the other thing to keep in mind, of course, is that uh, just as we talked about in season three with the integration of Mr. Robot and Elliot, and when they come to terms with the fact that there's always going to be a little bit of the Elliot that we knew at the time on the show in Mr. Robot and Mr. Robot in Elliot, uh, there are all these people are parts of Elliot Alderson. They are all parts of the Elliot Alderson who wakes up at the end of this episode. Uh, and yes, part of him is the mastermind. And yes, part of him uh, involves Mr. Robot. There's a part of him that that works to protect himself. Uh, yes, there's a part of him that reminds himself of the loss. Yes, there's a part of himself that reminds himself uh, of uh, the way that he responded to the loss of trust and everything that happened when he was a kid. So there are all these per- parts of him, unlike all of us uh, who walk around uh, as you know, containing multitudes in that respect, uh, but maybe not manifesting them as separate and distinct parts of our identities. Uh, he does uh, because he has a disorder or a condition. Uh, that leads to that. So it really only makes sense that the Elliot that we've been looking at was never the whole picture. Uh, it was never the whole picture. And I, so in that respect, it does not feel uh, unearned or it doesn't feel 11th hour to me. It, it feels like something that we have talked about without really putting a name on it and, and saying, like, just, I clearly believe the Elliot we're looking at is not the fullest example of Elliot. I think what we all assumed is that the Elliot we were looking at in some way, shape, or form, he was divided into these parts, and he had these alters in his personality. And in order for him to make progress uh, and get beyond them, he was going to have to come to grips with the incidents that created them, the reasons they were there, uh, and really come to peace with all of that. It makes sense that part of that process is going to involve coming to peace with and putting to rest the part of himself 
that was so aggro, so angry. That was like, uh, a, the, so, you know, like the superhero. Right. You know, the yes, Cape the Crusader. The Cape Crusader, the person who uh, was, as a result of the, the thing that he experienced, the pain that, his, that he experienced, uh, his, his part of him became protective of it. Part of him became self-loathing of it. And another part of him wanted to crusade against the pain of the world. Uh, and he has all of those things. And he's never going to be able to make progress in terms of his ultimate breakthrough of his personality or who he is without coming to terms with all of those aspects. Certainly that, not going to be able to enjoy, certainly not going to be able to enjoy a peppermint frappuccino for real. Right. You know, exactly. like that guy was never going to be able to actually go and have like an orange Julius uh, or go see a Marvel movie. Uh, but I feel like integrating all of this stuff, this is this is now we're going to be left with a person who has a fighting chance at being happy uh, and 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 living that life and maybe beginning the process of healing and, and letting letting go of of some of that rage that he just channeled in this universe changing way. Um, right. But I think you're and, absolutely and, right about all of that. And universe changing in that um, part of where we, why we get to the end of the story and it doesn't feel it feels like we walked up to this in the right way to me. It feels like, for example, the great speech uh, between he and White Rose, where Elliot really stands up for Darlene uh, and stands up for others in his life, but but especially Darlene in terms of people do not let you down. This feels like real growth for the mastermind personality. Uh, if you want to say the mastermind personality exists uh, in this space where he has a hard time relating to people because he's so focused on some aspects of what's happened in his life or uh, because he's this superhero who feels isolated or who has isolated himself uh, and because his superpower is being the way that he is and that's part of it. Uh, he, that has changed a lot throughout the course of this season from losing Magda to the moment when Elliot uh, and Darlene are listening to that tape uh, in the bank uh, and he's reminded of what they were like with Angela um, to his moments with Tyrell where Mr. Robot is trying to soft pedal Elliot is screaming and then it is Elliot who comes back to Tyrell and really wants to try to form a bond understands the value of why Tyrell or what Tyrell's commitment to Elliot really meant for Elliot uh, and of course the stuff with Krista, Vera all those people throughout this season we have seen a growth even if this is the mastermind we're looking at to the point where uh, his prime directive, uh, and he also finishes his quest, his prime directive is no more. He has grown. He has evolved. It only makes sense then that what we're going to see is an Elliot who emerges, who contains that aspect, who contains the protector, but maybe no longer needs the protecting, who no longer has the self-loathing represented by Magda, and who no longer needs to be reminded that he can fight for himself by little Elliot. So, it makes sense that he's progressed to this point by the end of this series. And I think if you look back on it, it probably is encapsulated by his choice architecture, uh, the, the decisions he makes while playing Exit uh, at the end of the last episode by deciding to stay, by deciding to to be with his friend and not run away from these things. Maybe he's gotten to this point right. now where he can process all of this. Right. And I think like what, what, you're, what you're articulating there and what we've been seeing across the series and what we've certainly been seeing in the final season, you know, Mr. Robot being a big piece of that uh, himself, um, but certainly the Magda personality and the little Elliot personality, um, that these were parts of Elliot that were already getting that level of closure. 
uh, that or we're ready for that level of closure um, to to some degree. Like I, th- I think like that whole boardroom thing. Like that's not like, your that's not your seat. That's for the other one. The other one was Elliot the whole time. I mean, like just like it, it's hard to like find like the right language to talk about this because uh, we're, we're we're tracking different facets of the same person. Uh, but the other one was the mastermind. The other one was the Elliot that we've been following all along. Uh, and Elliot, when the, when the boy says is it for Elliot, is the Elliot that we'll never really fully meet uh, because right. that that's the person who doesn't even need us, doesn't need the show. Uh, and this final season was even grooming us to get to a place where we're ready to let go. Um, and it was it was really the the mastermind that needed to get to that level of growth as well. Um, you you see in that scene with White Rose where, where Elliot is talking about how um, sometimes... There are good people out there, and it's it's rare, but they love you so much that they won't let you hate them. They won't let you hide from them. No matter what you do, they will still love you. Um, for the mastermind aspect of Elliot to reach that level of growth, there was really no chance of survival. I mean, like they could rage against the machine for as long as they wanted to, and the the finale really is that process, right? Of of letting go, of coming to to grips with the fact that like I'm not needed in the way that I've been needed anymore um i need to go away so that who i am in my entirety uh rather than just this piece of me actually has a chance uh to to live and and to move on um so i thought i thought that it was really beautiful it made it made me think about what the feature film version of this would have been uh so like you know what what's the architecture of that uh is it that like there's like an early act reveal of the tyler durden type thing with mr robot being uh elliot himself and then like the real twist is that like it's not just like mr robot is a piece of him it's like even the person who we're following the ed norton uh type of character if you will like that's a fabrication to some degree as well um i just i think that that would have felt very rushed and i think that the only way that a that a twist like this really does work is if you've got a long form type of story, the way that we got to really experience life with this man uh, and to experience it through his lens. And I think to, to see things like the fact that he could create this illusory prison for himself, um, that he could blink people out of Times Square, uh, that he could really see the world however he wanted to see it, um, really makes a reveal like the one we get here at the end. Uh, really hold weight for for me, but it's it's heady and it's a lot to chew on. It's a dense crumb to this bread, Antonio. It's a uh, salacious crumb, you know. <laughs> it's a salacious crumb indeed, uh, and it's 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 a lot to 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 wrap your to wrap your head around to to really find your way to to digest and process. And as I said, like for me, it took a little while before I started getting to a place of not just being emotionally satisfied and viscerally satisfied. Which I was immediately on both of those levels. But I think also the logical satisfaction maybe took me a little bit longer, um, and I and I feel a lot better about that a few hours later. Uh, so hopefully, like the more people contemplate it, I'll be very curious to see what the big wide reaction is to this finale. Uh, I, I'm a you know me, Antonio, that I'm I am uh, a major losty, and I, I am know you. and I and I am very I'm very concerned 
uh, with the people who are going to be like, so it was in his head the entire time. Like I'm, I'm, I'm triggered already. I am like deeply triggered by that. If that is where, where people are going to go with this and be like, what this show was such bullshit. The whole thing was made up. How did Darlene do anything? Well, Darlene did anything because she was real and all of this was real. And Elliot is somebody who's been struggling and now he's getting ready to, to struggle with it head on. He's real. Everything's real. It all happened. There's just, he's a man with a condition. Uh, yeah. I'm very, I'm very concerned. I'm very concerned that people are going to like be like, oh, it's purgatory or whatever the hell they're going to say. Well, look, uh, it, you, we have a lot of fades to white. We have, uh, we do have the Jupiter and beyond the infinite, uh, 2001 of it all. We have a, a lot that, that goes on here. Josh, we have an entire Coney Island boardwalk full of mini Christian Slaters saying, hey, kiddo. kiddo that was the kiddo, weirdest kiddo, thing. Kiddo, it was kiddo. so weird. Malkovich, Malkovich, Malkovich. It was <laughs> it was horrifying. That was horrifying. Just summon John Malkovich. Um, yeah, it was. It was very upsetting. <laughs> I, the, it was very what, upsetting. May, maybe the most upsetting thing that has ever happened on television, let alone Mr. Robot. No, surely as a Twin Peaks man, you could cite four or five more. It uh, was a... Instantly. A small army of Christian Slaters, beginning with that little tiny Christian yes. Slater, was so upsetting. Onward, Christian Slaters marching <laughs> us to war. Definitely, sure. Christian, definitely Christian Slater's finest work of his career in this episode, you have to say, just by sheer probability, right? Because there's so many different Christian <laughs> Slaters there that one of them must have been having a, a career best day. <laughs> yeah, maybe the little one who was holding the hand. Uh, yeah. There's a there, listen. As I was saying, there's a lot of stuff in here that I can understand yeah. uh, why people will theorize, and I'm okay with that to an extent. Part of why the ending of 2001 j- jumps off the page and was something that I immediately thought there was room for in this show in some way, shape, or form. Uh, it's because it's one of the most like outlandish and brave, bold, like ridiculous endings of any fictional uh, medium, certainly in the last century. So. It is, uh, it is, it is, I think, very much in keeping that Mr. Robot would have room for that. And yet I do think the intent of the show, uh, if I might read that, is to say by Hello Elliot being the, the, the last words of the show, uh, as juxtaposed to Hello Friend being the first words of the series, um, we have finally, uh, had Elliot Prime, uh, the real Elliot wake up. And you say we never got to meet the guy, and that is true, but we've met so many parts of his personality yeah. at this point. Uh I, I think what we what I think what you're getting at with the mastermind and how once the once these quests were going on and we, we now think about the, the fight in the parking lot at the hotel with Mr. Robot uh, and Elliot and him basically, Mr. Robot, saying, like, it's always going to be something. Like, how long is this going to go on? Because remember, Mr. Robot at that point really wanted to get to the point where he could show Elliot what he did. And in that case, what, what, what that means is he could show the mastermind that he put – um, that he took control, that he was the one who was driving at that point, uh, and that it was not Elliot who was driving. And Elliot hasn't been driving for a while. He's been, quote, asleep. He's been dormant. Uh, and it was the other aspects of his personality who were worried about losing that, in part because that's their host. That's their prime. Uh, if you lose that uh, and the inmates truly take over the asylum, then I don't know where that leaves the inmates in that regard. Uh, and I think that it makes sense that the other personalities who, as you're observing, were ready to move on uh, and needed the mastermind to get to that point. Uh, and so, as I think we're both saying, 
the mastermind getting to that point uh, was certainly a product of Elliot's individual growth uh, as the mastermind, uh, something that he really could not ignore uh, when the mastermind is created to take advantage of that anger, to take advantage of that rage, to be a sort of superhuman. Uh, and then the reasons for that anger and rage become a lot more nuanced. Uh, they're dissipated. Uh, he learns, for example, uh, some of the reasons for any kind of personality or identity divide at all uh, in episode seven. Um, he gets to a point as the mastermind where he's got way too much info and too much knowledge and nuance uh, to continue to progress. But I think the real powerful thing for me uh, is in the second time and we're in the boardroom this season uh, when uh, Mr. Robot points out that Darlene actually was able to connect with the original Elliot right. uh, at some point when she mentioned Fernando Vera, uh, that Darlene is the key. Uh, when Elliot wakes up for the first time in this episode, he is still the mastermind. And he has those moments with Darlene where he really processes that. And he admits to her, look, I'm not really actually all there is to Elliot. I'm just part of him. And Darlene's just like, I, I know. That and was I recognize uh, so good. Unreal. So Carly Chaikin was remarkable. Seri yeah, she series, really was. series best performance from Carly Chaikin in this scene. And really, I mean, you, you think about what the show at its core is, and it it is such an Elliot-centric show, and it is so much about what goes on in his head. But the show manages throughout with Darlene and others, but especially Darlene, to do a really fantastic job of showing what it's like to live with someone uh, and love unconditionally uh, when they're in a position where they have some kind of condition that puts them uh, sometimes at odds with you or that makes them makes you feel like they don't love you or that they hate you or that they loathe you or that they treat you like absolute garbage. Her unconditional love is such a key element of this series, and it, uh, obviously that's not all there is to Darlene. Carly Chaikin uh, has brought so much to the performance uh, in terms of her own problems, her own struggles, but it is her unconditional love of her brother that the mastermind ultimately cannot process as being in a world where both of those things exist. He cannot exist in a world where she has just broken him down to the point that he he realizes that the Elliot Prime will never be happy without this relationship in his life. Uh, and it is not for the mastermind to maintain this relationship because he existed for a different purpose. So it makes sense that this is the moment uh, where he decides that it's time to let go of the controls and move on. Darlene is such a key element in his evolution, the mastermind's evolution, that it makes sense that he would no longer continue to be in control, that that part of Elliot, the part that wanted to, let's say, make these drawings, that wanted to do more things in the world and be a superhero, he acted on that. He did it. Uh, now that it's done, uh, he can progress and put a lot of these things to bed. Uh, they can sit in a movie theater and be always be a part of him. Uh, but never define him in the way that they have throughout the course of this series. And his definition now will be based on a lot of the things that uh, we saw in The Infinite Loop, um, just in a very different way, uh, and mainly via his love with his sister uh, and everything that the relationship comes to to the center of, of the show now. Um, that that relationship is, is different than the relationship he has with Angela and with his parents uh, in the circle, but I think in many ways it's more powerful because it has sustained so much adversity and it has proven to even the mastermind uh, that this is worth it and that there is some some room for stuff beyond anger here. So I just thought a really great way to put a bow on all that and the Elliot and Darlene story. And to me, it feels really earned throughout all four seasons, the Elliot and Darlene connection. Um, we can talk, Josh, about the logic of 
Well, so who was Mr. Robot really like antagonizing in season one? He knew that it was the mastermind. He knew it wasn't Elliot. So what was his job there as a protector or not a protector? And we should talk right, about that. Right. But I think the Elliot and Darlene connection, uh, it really um, sustains and makes sense throughout. And it comes to a very, very natural endpoint as a result of everything that's happened throughout the series and certainly this season. Well, I mean, if, if the mastermind is in control of Elliot from the beginning of the show and Mr. Robot starts man- manifesting because the mastermind's plan now is to lead F society and to lead this campaign against E Corp and to institute the hack and everything like that, then he's now in control of Elliot's agency. And Mr. Robot, if his entire personality is designed to be the protector of Elliot, but the mastermind is the one in control, then Mr. Robot's best chance of control uh, of protecting Elliot is to like play ball to some extent with this new guy who's just showed up right and basically to show him the ropes of like well this is how this is how we exist within Elliot if you're gonna be here then like I'm gonna protect you because you're you're driving this thing right now um and so that that helps explain sometimes why he's so furious with this aspect of of Elliot uh because like you're endangering Elliot you're making yeah. my job harder he tries uh, to shoot him in the head in season two, Don't right? Shoot him in the head, in, right? Right. So, like, I mean, like, a lot of that makes sense, and and like, why he's so emphatic about wanting to have that chess match with um with the mastermind in season two for control, and like trying to get him to realize, like, you need me here. We're not going to be able to do this without one another. Like, we, you know, you can't just destroy me. You can't just delete me. That's not an option any more than I can delete you, which would be right. great because if you're not here, then maybe we're not. Ra- against the world and maybe we can move on with our lives um so it actually does recolor mr robot as a as a pretty good guy for well, <laughs> for most of this but, but i want to i want to say uh there is obviously nuance to that in that sure i think part of the reason we end the series having progressed in the way that we have is i would say that the mastermind seems to contain more humanity uh in, in a personality type than the other three that we see. And I say that by means of noting, for example, in season one, even as Mr. Robot is indulging the mastermind and even as he's trying to exert control over him or, you know, pushing him off of a, off of a bench or if you will, like doing all these things that maybe don't seem so protective, uh, maybe encouraging him to blow up Steel Mountain instead of hack it, right? Like all these things. There's just not as much humanity in Mr. Robot. Like it, it, this, that Mr. Robot was one of the, was the first created and he was created as a protector and, and he was created in the image of somebody who caused the breach to begin with. With. Uh, but he was also created by an, an emotionally stunted uh, eight-year-old boy, uh, not by an adult uh, who had had more relationships and who had had come to a position where uh, making the mastermind was probably a more nuanced version, a more nuanced character, a more nuanced personality. I don't know everything about DID, but it occurs to me that 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 creation of the mastermind occurs so much later uh, that therefore, and I think as we see, I think he has a lot more nuance and a lot more humanity in him uh, because he's not created by an eight year old at a time of extreme trauma. So I, I do think there's you could you can put both of those things together. You can say, yeah, Mr. Robot, he was also an agent of chaos as much as he was a protector, and I think that that's true. Um, but I think that's in part because he's just not as nuanced of a of a character. I don't think he cares as much about humanity, and I think there is that 
that growth in him throughout as pushed by the mastermind and as pushed by what they're going through together. Um, it is Mr. Robot who uh, takes as much of an active role in trying to stop uh, the E-Corp building from blowing up uh, when he and Elliot are divided and have to work together. Um, he does come to a point where he, he gains that humanity, but it isn't always in him. Uh, there, so there's an evolution in that character uh, as well as a re-evolution based on what we know about the characters at the end of the series. Uh, I, I do think that there's room for both of those things. I think Mr. Robot can evolve just like um, anyone can evolve. None of this is to speak of the fact, by the way, that this episode itself, just as a as a, as a finale, as as uh, an emotional roller coaster, uh, was ridiculous. The first part of this episode made me so viciously anxious. Uh, of like walking through uh, the the Washington Township of Elliot's imagination, right? Of like his Domo of, of Arigato, this, Mr. This, Roboto. It was, it was so it was so great to have that yeah. here, uh, and, and to finally drop that. Definitely the right timing on that to the point where like I it would would not have been on my bingo card coming into the episode. I just would have thought that like we were never going to go there. But to get the Domo Arigato, Mister Roboto is super 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 fun, uh, and and to to have Elliot like have that confrontation with himself. And have to like basically like kill himself in order to there can there can only be one, you know, yeah. to have like his Highlander moment, except instead <laughs> of cutting off the head, you shove him in a box No, quick uh, was just was, was it was so wonderful. It, so this episode like made me very like I felt very uncomfortable through large swaths of it. Like I felt like it was all going to end very poorly uh, during large portions of the episode. I would say that that like end of part one, first you know twenty ish minutes of part two, especially, I was really feeling like, oh man, Esmail's just going for like the bleak ending. Uh, like this is just like going to be like a full bleak, uh, full full on the bitter, none of the sweet. Um, and I and I ended up being very very happy with the balance of bitter to sweet. I think a lot sweeter of an ending than a bitter one. Though I suppose that that depends on your interpretation of what's going to happen next for Elliot Alderson after he wakes up, right? So Elliot's going to be like fully wake, uh, fully woke at this point by the end of the series. Um, everything that's ever happened has happened. He's alive, thank God, but he's alive because he was in the Washington Township reactor when the explosion happened and White Rose's machine was destroyed. Mis- Minister Zhang is dead. Everybody knows that Minister Minister Zhang is dead, which means that Elliot must have been discovered Next to Minister Zhang's dead body, people are going to have questions for Elliot. Is he just <laughs> going straight back to jail? Like, you know, it's, I'm glad that there is no more show that actually has to like deal with the runway of of what Elliot's life uh, like looks like on a practical level after waking up in this finale. Uh, because there's certainly like pessimistic viewpoints of like eh, there's got the, the world's going to have a lot of questions for this guy, and depending on how honest he's feeling these days, and you hope that he's feeling fairly honest. They might not like the answers. Right. And it may not be defensible to say, oh, I didn't I don't know that that was one of my many personalities that did that. Like that becomes the trial of the century at that point. Uh, So it's a little hard to stomach uh, or believe that it's it's at least doable. And yet I think that the the nature of the the events are there. Um, It is. 
it is ultimately a thing where we, we look at the hospital and Darlene, he's not in handcuffs, I don't think, right, that we can see. Uh, so that's not happening. Um, we're in a position where the, the news is there. You're right. He's been found next to the body. He had been wanted uh, without really without clarity. And so had Darlene uh, for the, the, the Yuletide escape uh, and everything that happened there. Uh, and if we want to trace that back to the ultimate hack, I mean, there's a possibility, although small, there's a possibility that this hospital moment and everything being found next to the body and all of it leads to the unwinding of everything that happened with the e-corp uh wallet money day uh distribution yeah. right because pay up you could, folks bring you could trace them back yeah <laughs> send that right back. back right send it right back yeah or or just go fund me to the legal defense team uh, <laughs> right. yeah there is at least that possibility uh it doesn't seem as as directly likely but um remember they were they were photographed uh by traffic cameras and they were wanted uh, as a result of this hack and they can probably trace that incursion to maybe connecting uh, to yeah. Cypress National Bank yeah, and the yeah, servers yeah, yeah. and all of it. You so, think too hard about it, Elliot's going to jail. But maybe his defense will be like, yeah. hey, I don't know what happened. I wasn't yeah. in control. That, that wasn't was me. Yeah, plead yeah. insanity. Definitely yeah, plead insanity. Primal fear ending. Speaking of Edward Norton connections. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right. uh, yeah. That, that's why it's, it's good not to think about it too hard. Uh, the other, you know, I think it's just as we're, we're doing our, our initial stuff here, we'll be able to will go a lot deeper i'm sure uh with with the help of everybody's feedback in in our in our next podcast um but i think that we should we should try and 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 survey the landscape as best as we can right now um and one of the things coming into the episode was is this in elliot's head or did he did the machine work is is white rose's universe real um and as far as the episode informs us, the episode very uh decisively lands on the side of this is all in your head uh this is not an alternate world that you're existing in that White Rose created. Um, so with that being said, are you satisfied with the White Rose piece? That what we got from White Rose and White Rose's journey across the show is that she fervently believed in this machine's capabilities of creating a parallel universe. She dies, the machine explodes, and we as a viewer never get to see whether or not the machine was successful, whether or not she was able to generate this parallel universe. Um, do you take that as gospel that White Rose was batshit crazy? Do you take it as, uh, well, I guess we'll never know. It's certainly possible that White Rose was right and she is thriving in some sort of parallel universe. Or do you take it uh, for a third option? And if there are other options, let me know as it just kind of doesn't really matter. It's not Elliot's journey. It, I, I think that's probably somewhere in the mix of one and three. I think what what you're talking about and I think what White Rose talked about it seems very theoretically possible even in our world. Um, those are the sorts of things they're getting at when they check, when they slam these particles together, uh, is understanding the very nature of physics in a way that they can't or haven't previously. They want to build a very large one and much larger than the current one, uh, so that they can get them to higher speeds for that reason, so that they can get to these points. And it seems like what White Rose did because of her own, uh, loss and suffering, uh, be- is that she became fervently, uh, addicted to and committed to this pursuit in a way that goes beyond, like goes from scientist to mad scientist, right? Like, 
I, so I think that's how I read it. Um, that's the person who deletes herself uh, and erases herself uh, because she's confident that this will ultimately come back um, and that she's been put in this position by Elliot where she doesn't really have an out anymore uh, and there are no real ways to, to get past where she's at. So she has to get Elliot to a point uh, where she can break Elliot. Um, that said, I, the part that I'm struggling with with the White, the White Rose stuff uh, is not that she ultimately ended uh, herself or that it, that it came at the time that it came at. That all makes sense to me. I want to know on what level did what Elliot experienced or, or was what Elliot experienced what she showed Angela. She says that right before she shoots herself in the head. Like, I'm going to show you what I showed Angela. Right. Was all she showed Angela just the game of exit? And it made Angela realize that your choices can affect uh, the outcomes. Like, did Angela also press buttons? Did she press them quicker? Um, did that cause Angela to realize what control she could have over universe changing type stuff? I mean, I don't know what it was that she showed Angela that she was so anxious to show Elliot. Peyote. Um, it, yeah. I mean, what what was it? Like, really, what was it? Honestly. No hallucinogen. I, well, none of that seems to be why Elliot experienced the world that he no, created. For, for Angela. For Angela. Yeah. She got this is some spiked Kool-Aid or something. But that wasn't what she showed to Elliot. Right. That didn't come into play at right, all. Right, 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 right. I, so, so I do think, like... I, I don't want to be here on the on the eve of the finale, uh, like poo pooing Mr. Robot at all, because I'm I'm really I really am so impressed with what was achieved here. I really loved this final episode. It was so emotionally satisfying, and the more I think about it, the more I do like it for the for the great scope of Elliot's journey. Um, but then if if I do if I do take a moment to to to, to 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 Jack to sit here and really allow myself. To, to get lost in the land of Ecodelia. Uh, none of that holds for me still. So, you know, the, 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 everything that goes on with Angela and whatever she was able to see that convinced her that White Rose's stuff was going to work. Um, like the best answer that I am able to come up with for that is that Angela is a very sad person who's uh, a bit moldable and is maybe a little gullible and is just a believer and wants to believe in something. And she got shown something and she got suckered and you just leave it there. Um, but I think like if you're really looking for something uh, really static and specific, um, I just don't see it still. Uh, so if there's like a piece of Mr. Robot that leaves me wanting, maybe it's something that uh, firms that up a little bit better for me. Um, but I don't think that I ultimately need it. It's just that's one piece of the show. Yeah, White yeah. Rose was clearly bats, like clearly insane. And I think you have to read all those actions against that backdrop. Uh, otherwise, I think you're really missing the opportunity to understand that what you're dealing with here was not a rational person. Um, the, the megalomania was so strong in that one. Uh, and to the point where it was like the, the megalomaniac of megalomaniacs, like the top of the top. You take the Deus group and that's, this is the person in charge of it. Like, so this is not a person who had a necessarily normal thought process throughout. And she herself had suffered a lot of pain and did have reason to feel very unwelcomed in the world in which she lived. So she had every desire to try to fix those things. Uh, and I don't think that those two things are, are, are leaked. I don't think that any dysphoria or, um, any of that sort of stuff that may have been present with White Rose had anything to do with her megalomania. I think it was 
um, a very un- a unique situation uh, that she was in uh, from her evolution. Uh, the desire for power, uh, the feeling that pursuit of power uh, is what ultimately, you know, you- you're doubling down. You're throwing good money after bad. When your pursuit of power has put you in a position where the people that you love have been hurt uh, or, in-, in fact, are no longer in your life, uh, then you double down and you say, well, I'm just going to become the most powerful person. And what I'm going to do with my power is find a way to get them back. Uh, and so this is not a, a normal thinking person. Uh, it is truly a, a megalomaniac. And so it, we're looking for rationality uh, in the irrational in some respects to say, oh, but wasn't there a, a specific thing that she showed Angela uh, that she didn't show Elliot? But I, I bring it up because I, I feel like there may be some little bit of nuance that I'm missing with this uh, in that is it possible that what she showed uh, Angela was a simulation? Like if you don't press these keys and because they taught Angela how to play the game before anything else. They had her go through that big rigmarole of where's the key? Um, The key is in my hand. Like Elliot knew how to play games like that, but Angela didn't. So I do wonder if part of Angela's experience involved getting teaching her how to do these things. And even though it wasn't necessarily the same game with Land of Icadelia, I wonder if the next act of that uh, was White Rose basically being like, okay, now's your chance. You got to stop. You got to change reality. The reality is this plant's about to melt down. Uh, you're you're going to have to do that. I, I don't know um, if that's satisfying for me, but I agree with you ultimately, as we've articulated on this podcast, that Angela was very easily moldable from the jump. Uh, part of how Elliot reacted, of course, uh, to everything that happened in his past uh, was to disassociate and to have the problems that he had. Uh, part of how Angela reacted to the loss of her mother and everything that went on when she was a child, uh, it seemed to be that she uh, was was jumping around a lot. And so, for example, by the end of season one, within the course of like two episodes, she's on E-Corp's PR team uh, and she's taken the Terry Colby, who she's hated and had all these problems with and listened to him and, and taken the job offer. Uh, and then, of course, she bounces around throughout. She's the one who's able to no-sell seeing Cisco in season two, episode seven, when he walks up. Uh, and, you know, some of, sometimes that's summed up and it's referenced here with her having, quote, bad taste in men, which is, I think, a, a really kind of trite and maybe not great way to sum up uh, what we know about this character. But I think she was a little bit of a lost soul. And I think that the fact that she was a little bit of a lost soul made it very easy for her to jump from power to power and place to a place and really feel the need to feel significant uh, and feel important. And I think that could be easily uh, molded. And it certainly was by White Rose. And I need to point out that even by the end of her life, she was she was back to the point where she knew she had been played and she knew she had been convinced. So whatever White Rose showed her, it wasn't that persuasive, ultimately, uh, that she was still buying it. Um, She knew she'd been conned. And we saw with Philip Price in this season talk about what a con artist White Rose was. Uh, and how um, White Rose almost had him believing that Angela was still alive. Uh, and so we know why that might have an impact on these people. Um, but ultimately, uh, I don't know what what it was that White Rose said she was going to show Elliot. That was what she showed Angela. I didn't see it. Uh, I don't think what she showed Angela was that she could kill herself and come back. Um, maybe there is some greater interpretation, Josh of this show that we're missing here and that people will find. I know you're uh, getting a little bit triggered as we approach the, the possibilities of that, but maybe, maybe that this example, like that we don't know what it is that white Rose showed Angela that she supposedly showed Elliot. Maybe that example um, is, is a, a jump off point for people to theorize about there being some deeper meaning to the show uh, that we're, what we're missing. We're not looking at what's above us. We're only seeing what's in front of us. Uh, so maybe that is maybe that maybe, and maybe there are other points like that. Um, but for me, uh, 
that that's the part where the now that we've seen the finale the especially the first part and knowing that the machine uh didn't do anything and knowing that the machine was only theoretical that's the part for me where i'm like okay so then what was she really trying to show elliot because i don't think it was the sideways universe obviously that now seems like a thing that elliot slipped into as a result of the trauma uh and the shakeup, and not as a result of anything white rose intended to do so what was white rose intending to do and you might have just chalk it up to the fact that she's nuts uh and the fact that she's nuts means that her intent really is not going to ever uh come off appropriately uh how we would interpret it anyway um i so so you may, you may know this if you're listening to this podcast. I know Antonio knows this about me, uh, that I, I'm a little bit over one year sober right now. And I'm very proud of this. And, and it's been a while since I've really found myself like meaningfully tempted to, to drink. Um, Antonio, I say this because uh, I don't know what I would do if I was offered one of Philip Price's world famous whiskey sours. <laughs> I mean, like, I feel like, <laughs> and especially when he's, he name drops me too. He says, oh, we're yeah. just joshing around. Yep. Like, uh, I don't know, Papa Philip Price. I, I know that we came into this thinking like we wanted him to rage, be like, wake up, Elliot, none of it's real, Jack. Uh, yeah, do you think that he makes his whiskey sour with Jack? Uh, you know, I've, I've got a, a, lot of, a lot of questions about that. Uh, obviously, I wouldn't drink the thing. I am a strong man. Um, but I, I I loved the Philip Price scene so much. I think that that's, that's just something that like, I, I know we're going to get really into a lot of like the heady stuff, especially in the feedback show. And, uh, you know, we're going to dig deeper um but there's just like so many surface details from the finale that i loved uh reversing the the walk through hill valley right yeah. like and and now and now really getting that back to the future on uh the way that sam asman must have felt so great uh must have must have it, it must be a pretty pleasurable thing for him to have that um in existence to to go through washington township in those two different ways uh in the real world and then in the world inside of elliot's mind um getting to spend some time with uh a loving mother in in magda um I, I think maybe there's some stuff to talk about there potentially as far as uh, was Magda as awful as she was hyped up to be in her mind. We certainly still have to like fit that in with Darlene's experience of her mother. So that's something that I think is is have, I'm having a little bit of trouble aligning that. Um, the Philip Price scene is just so, so great to just see him like, he should be afraid of me. I'm his father-in-law. You know, it's just, it's just really, really, really great. <laughs> Um, and even just like the sit down between the two Elliots, uh, and to see these, these different shades to, to Rami Malik's performance. Uh, maybe I wasn't super sold on like Officer Dom wasn't my favorite character of the Sideways universe. Uh, but by and large, I just, I really did enjoy spending time in the Sideways universe here. I want to point out uh, just because we have had some tweets about it and because people may be, uh, discussing this or thinking about it in their brain, um, not everyone in the Sideways universe was dead. Uh, Lloyd uh, and Ollie were featured heavily last week. They are not deceased as far as we know. Uh, so the lack of Darlene in that universe and the presence of uh, Mrs. Moss, Mr. Alderson, Mrs. Alderson, Philip Price, uh, DDP. DDP did not die in a plane crash. This is not why she showed up. Uh, Tyrell being there. Uh, th- th- these are not things 
that that represent the fact that everyone in this vision is dead. It is not the case. Ollie and Lloyd are, as far as we know, alive and well, unfortunately, in the case of Ollie. So um, this is not what we're dealing with in this sideways universe. That said, I do really like some of the details of it. Before we get to the horrifying Coney Island onward Christian Slater's army marching as to war, uh, I, I think what we've got is we've got all white cars, Josh, except for a couple in the Tyrell lot, just predominantly white cars. Um, I like that it's basically a loop, an infinite loop. This is your Alderson loop, if you will, uh, that Elliot created uh, or that the mastermind maybe created and uh, placed Elliot into so that he could be happy, uh, so that he could live this life uh, on an infinite loop uh, and be happy, get everything he ever wanted. Um, in, and, and even though Darlene is not in that universe, he's got a loving family. Uh, his monster is alive, but no longer a monster, seemingly. Uh, he's marrying Angela. Uh, he's doing really well professionally. He does not seem to have any of the negative energy. His biggest secret uh, is that he has a secret creative passion that he doesn't want people to know about. Um, that's his deepest, darkest thing that he's got partitioned off on his hard drive. So uh, I, I like the details of the universe. Agent Dom, or police officer Dom is fine for me. Um, she's always going to be a law enforcement officer. The thing that I, you know, you struggle with, of course, is. So if this is a world that was created by uh, the mastermind uh, for for Elliot to be in this loop, um, then how is, for example, the knowledge of Philip Price's Angela's father, how is the, knowing Dom at all? And I just think it's possible that this world uh, adapts and modifies over time. Uh, that is, even as the cars are always white and it's always 1116, uh, the, the, the world itself, uh, modifies and adapts over time, uh, because the mastermind is gaining knowledge and that the world therefore, uh, is adapting a little bit, uh, with that knowledge. I think that's how I would read it anyway. Yeah, I think that that's fair. Um, we're going to have a lot of shots in, in the next show to, to cover anything that we haven't covered here in our initial reactions. But is there is there anything from the finale you really want to get into before we close out this first show that we haven't touched on yet? I like... I mean, the, when you talk about the Domo Arigato, Mr. Roboto of it all, I mean, the lyrics that you hear on the screen, I've got a secret I'm in hiding under my skin, couldn't be more clear, right? I feel like that may be the reason why this show is called Mr. Robot. In the in the grand scheme, yeah. uh, is like in yeah. in the I mean, in yeah. the conception of this as a feature film with with the music and uh, like having this moment that you imagine of Mister Roboto showing up in the moment where you have your Hill Valley ish type of sequence. Um, I think that you can really imagine that a lot of the thematic material, a lot of the story material, even is derived from the song Mister Roboto. Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely right there uh, in those lyrics for sure, and you could. I'm sure there will be a very good Reddit post. There may have already been a Mr. Roboto Reddit post. Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if that has happened already. Breaking down the lyrics and comparing to the show, uh, but it's ju it's just so bold to put it right there at the beginning of episode 12 and have it right out there in front. Uh, and I really, really like that. Um, I thought it was really cool the way the camera bounced around as Elliot was hacking himself from keys to screen to Elliot's face. Uh, the mastermind trying to find out what's going on in the Elliot Alderson world that he's in. The idea of losing Angela again uh, being enough to make him uh, kill the version of himself that was in that world and put the body in, quote, self-storage in the self-storage box. Uh, that was that so really amazing. With me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he murdered himself. <laughs> yes, he murdered himself and put, and put it himself in self-storage. Uh, yeah. I, I just thought that was really good. Uh, and, you know, it, I, I also think it's funny 
by the way, that this Elliot can't be in this world uh, for more than like a half day without running afoul of the law and end up ending up committing a murder. There's some definite symbolic significance, right? That the only murder that Elliot Alderson really commits on this show directly is of himself, uh, of his alternate ego to try to alter ego to try to basically uh to, to make sure that he can take the place and be there with Angela. That's the only time he ever resorts to murdering, and he does it with his bare hands. It's brutal. It's brutal. It's very yeah. brutal. Uh, I I thought the moment when, when Officer Dom is looking at Elliot's license and says, you look nothing like him, yeah. that was the moment where I was like, Oh great! So we're this is so Elliot is Sam Esmail. Like that's what we're gonna get. Like that's gonna be that's gonna be the big twist. And so from like that moment forward, I was really bracing myself for the real Elliot. Once we started really getting into that language, that we would end the show either on Sam Esmail or a completely different actor, and it really would be a saint elsewhere. I'm so glad that's not what we got. I'm so happy that what we got was Rami Malek through and through. Well, and I, I'm guessing, do, do, do you, is your read then that the, the, the real Elliot Alderson does not look like Rami Malek? No, my read ultimately is that he does. Right. Uh, but, I, but I guess it, does, it doesn't ultimately matter. All you see is the eye in the end. But um, I would assume that that's Rami Malek's eye. It's, it's worth mentioning um, that Sam Esmail uh, has declined to do press to explain uh, the finale. Uh, he mentioned this on the Ringer podcast that he was on, the Watch podcast, where he did uh, top 10 shows of the decade with, uh, with uh, the, the guys at the Watch. Um, mentioned that he, he just wants the finale to speak for itself. That is what I have been told as well. So there's no interview with Sam. Sam uh, up at THR or anywhere, as far as I've been told, um, you know, the, the day will probably come. I'm sure where Sam Esmail is going to speak more at length about the finale. But as it stands, just just hanging, hanging that stuff tight, close to the vest, uh, as are the, the lead stars of the show. So we can't ask him, like, was that Rami Malek's eye uh, in that in that final shot? But or the, the penultimate shot, rather, because uh, Carly Chaikin is the one who gets to guide us out, which I loved. Um, I, I would assume that that is Rami Malek's eye. Uh, I, I would be sad to find out that that it's not uh, to, to not give him that final moment uh, of, of emotion um, and, and, and focus. So, so I, I expect that it is, but I, I suppose we don't know for sure. But since we don't know for sure, I will just choose to live my life believing that that is Elliot. I, as will I. And I think that, I mean, it makes sense that the mastermind and the Elliot that we're seeing here do look like Rami Malek, are Rami Malek, than the Elliot that, we're, that we haven't really met, since that's the guy who was put into this loop probably more resembles uh, that that perfect life version of Elliot. And I think this is ultimately what he looks like. This is this is who he is. So the the line from Dom was a little odd. It could be a shout out to Sopranos, Kevin Finnerty uh, and ID issues there. Um, the ID has not really been uh, that that's something that I'm that I'm didn't follow the through line totally on uh, why Elliot's wallet was missing. I guess it's because the the other Elliot took it. I don't know. Like, I, so all these things like it's there for him to take, but it doesn't look like him. I don't really know what we're dealing with in terms of the look there doesn't really change any of the calculus for me. Uh, it's just an interesting thing. Another interesting thing, um, we had uh, we had a version of a song uh, from the pilot uh, that yep. played in this episode uh, that was ultimately the, the Jacques Brel version of 
of Nemeketipa. Uh, in the in the pilot, it was "If You Go Away." That version uh, that was playing, but it's the same song. But Nemeketipa, I don't, not great at Spanish or, or sorry, French. Uh, Nemeketipa literally means "Don't Leave Me." Yeah. Uh, and if you go away, if you go away. So there are those great parallels there. "Don't Leave Me" is playing. I believe that was LP from Run the Jewels, uh, who was had his hand cart taken. Uh, and a, another rapper cameo. I'm, I'm, I will stake my Run the Jewels fandom on believing that, that was LP uh, <laughs> in the scene there. I'm looking forward to RTJ4. Hopefully, it'll drop uh, very soon here. Um, but uh, I think that was uh, that was him. Uh, he's a big Mr. Robot fan, constantly tweeting about the show. So that would be. I really hope in my heart of hearts that they were able to get together and that's who that was. Um, I, what about the final title card, Josh, of the entire series? It's Elliot's body in a box. <laughs> <laughs> so great that's, that's so mr brutal. robot what do you want yeah, that's the final <laughs> title card uh, is elliot's bloodied head dead body in a box oh my uh, god after yeah. all the artistic beautiful title card uh like we'll we'll stand the test of time on the show you'll be able to watch a youtube clip and you probably already can uh of like every Mr. Robot title card, uh, the last well, one is a dead Elliot. Well, that's that's it's and and then you you juxtapose that against the the one that kicks off the finale, which is you know with with Domo Arigato, Mr. Robato starting to 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 sail right into the into the the audio landscape, uh, the sonicscape of the show, and it's it's so fun. Uh, contrast it and and you contrast that against this very grim, grisly image of a dead Elliot that has been killed by Elliot. Uh, and I think that those two things are like these two tonal poles that really represent why this finale was was so great uh it was really scary it was it was exciting it was unnerving it was confusing it was uh profound it was joyful it was sad uh it brought a lot of emotional closure uh it it really really did and and it 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 ran the gamut of everything that mr robot did over the course of its run um you know we're still really early in the processing of it and I don't know where I will net out on it in the end. And I don't know how important of a conversation it is to have now anyway, this idea of like, where does the Mr. Robot series finale land in the rankings of all series finales of all Which altar uh, is this? Uh, this is... Uh, <laughs> Mr. Peanut? <laughs> this is Josh Wigley. Uh, oh, no, Wigley. Uh, yeah, we don't want to talk about him. He's a very scary, very scary guy. Um you know, you and I have been able to see a few shows through to the finish. Uh, you know, Justified, uh, with The Leftovers, recently with Watchmen. Should that be the end of Watchmen? Certainly the, uh, you know, the, the end of an era of, of Watchmen at the very least. And here is the end of Mr. Robot. And I don't, I don't know that I necessarily feel like immediately like the Mr. Robot series finale is going to hit for me as like one of the all time most astounding, terrific series finales of all time. But I think I think I think that what it what it does do for me is just it just it puts it puts a point on this thing that is just so satisfying. I think if if like the if the show had ended with conflict with 409 uh with the destruction of the Deus group um 
Dainu, you know, like I think that I that I, I almost would have felt like that would have sufficed us. Uh, I, I, I think that like we needed to get that closure for Darlene. I really was happy that we got that closure for Dom, especially now that they haven't messed with that at all. I think that that's a great ending for that character. Um, and I love what they emotionally do here with Darlene and what they emotionally do here with Elliot. And I think it's really cool the way that it recolors a lot of the series. Um, but I, I think what what the real strength of the two part finale is for me more than anything, like more than the fact that it's a game changer or wow, this was just such a fabulous uh, two hours of television that have, have never been rivaled and never will be again. Like it's nothing like that. It's just that the, the finale was so Mr. Robot. It was just so true to this show that I loved so much and that I that I just I just am so immensely grateful for. Um, and for the show to end in a way that is so true to itself and true to what made it so special, that some, that it could be hilarious and terrifying um, with nothing more than like a, a change in the music uh, with a, with a different camera angle with a, with a, with a sudden reveal of either something frightening or something just spectacularly bizarre um, that this finale had all of that and assembled all the parts that made this show unique um, and showcased them in such a delicious, delightful way, um, but sometimes in like a really terrible way that made you feel like, oh, God, why is he killing, killing himself? Um, it was just a really special two hours of TV, but it was special to me because it was so itself. Does that make sense? Like for a show that's about a character who is on this journey of accepting himself and and becoming his best self um and finding a way to get over uh or if not get over is a is a i think a cynical way of putting it but finding some way to like acclimate the horrible things that have happened to him into his life uh and and to come to some measure of peace i think for a show that is about such a fractured person to 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 be so consistently itself all the way through to the finish line uh, is a really masterful quality. So that's really what I'm the most impressed by more than I'm impressed by the episode itself, if that makes sense to you. It makes perfect sense to me because there are plenty of shows who by the end of their run, they don't really know who they are or they've lost the plot or there is not a consistent plot. And by plot, I mean theme, I mean design, I mean production. I, I just... All of what is encapsulated in a show sometimes get, gets lost when shows go on for too long, or they get to a point where they have breached too many times. They have gone through uh, false endings, or they have changed uh, the nature of the show such that a, there isn't necessarily a great way to do a final episode that encapsulates all of what is powerful or good about the show. Um, the best ones are able to do that, but I think that might be the, why the best ones don't run for 10, 15 seasons. Uh, it, it's much harder to do a finale that speaks to the power that you're speaking of that this show did um, when you've got that to go on. So this is a show that knew it wanted to end. It knew it needed to end. It knew it was going to end. Uh, it, it ended because they found the end of the story, uh, Sam Esmail has said throughout. That of course this was probably only a four or five season show. Uh, when you look down at you know how many episodes they've done and the lengths of the episodes and the number of uh, seasons, uh, shorter, longer, etc. Um, I think they knew exactly where this story was going, where it needed to go, uh, and they found it. Uh, and they ended up there in a way that I think spoke to you viewing 
what uh, what a different version of the world would have been like. Uh, what a show without the darkness in it would have would have been like. Where these characters were, uh, what Elliot might have been striving for, uh, what wasn't attainable ultimately for various reasons. Uh, to see it in that way and have it be presented as as you're talking about, right? Like have it be presented as anxiety inducing, have it be presented as scary, have it be presented as funny, having it be presented as so emotional, all of those things at the same time. Uh, and if that isn't Mr. Robot, I don't know what is. Uh, so for them to be able to do that uh, in that way, uh, it, it spoke, I think, very directly to the DNA of the show. I loved, of course, uh, the 2001 moment uh, where you see essentially all of those moments and everything uh, being present in Elliot, that these are things that happened just because they happened to the mastermind, just because they happened to Mr. Robot doesn't mean they're not present in Elliot. Those are parts of Elliot. Uh, and so uh, us speeding through those uh, with the light at the end of the tunnel and Elliot emerging from that and us pulling out of his eye with a single tear coming down I think that's really powerful. Having Darlene be the last uh, thing we see on screen, really, really powerful. Again, uh, it really, the show is so centered for me in terms of a person's struggle with uh, mental and emotional issues. Uh, but it, it really just, I think the Darlene aspect, as I, as I said earlier, of what it's like to live with a person like that in your life. Uh, and, you coming from your own position of of maybe not the strongest, uh, you know, you maybe also have a, an empty emotional energy tank, but it is maybe you feel the duty to continue to support and provide. That really resonates with me personally, uh, and so for for them to to, to frame the show in that way uh, without really even pushing it over and, and and really just having that subtly be such a key part of this final season, I think really was was powerful, and so it made sense the finale would end in this way with Darlene such a key element of it and with Elliot really coming to grips with in order to move on in his life he needed to move away from tilting at windmills and his anger and all the frustration that he had felt throughout as the mastermind uh that is not Elliot uh that is just one part of Elliot as we've known throughout uh and it is made clear to us in this episode that that's just one part of Elliot um that Elliot to be whole uh, needs to be the sum of his parts, and he needs to be greater than the sum of those parts. And Darlene helps him do that. Um, really great way to end, for sure. Catharsis, right? You know, it was a very cathartic uh, two hours of television is the is the fancy word I'll use to describe the series finale of Mr. Robot. Yeah, yeah. There was definitely that the just the emotional releases throughout um, getting back to the boardwalk, getting back to the arcade. Um, and for people that were really excited about the opium dream, uh, I'm glad to see that there's some degree of relevance for that. Uh, certainly that doesn't mean that all of it is significant or impactful. Uh, but I, I, I appreciate that uh, people who have invested a lot in that uh, and that it's tied back in, in a way uh, that makes sense that Elliot slipped into that world when he was going through his morphine withdrawal uh, and that he has therefore experienced this on some level. The mastermind has, uh, that, that, that's all good for me. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we got everything that we got. I'm not exactly sure. Um, Josh was Tyrell trying to drag him to hell. Is that what was happening? <laughs> yeah. That was the blue light that he had seen earlier in the, the series. The cold, uh, it's a cold day in hell, apparently. We uh, heard the hellhound scream and we saw right. him pull him into an open grave, not unlike Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah. Uh, so it makes sense that Elliot would wake up and maybe the first thing he's going to do now that he's awoken with Darlene is order the finest Christmas goose. Yes. <laughs> I think so. Tell me, oh Darlene, what day is it? Oh my god. Uh, it's one one sixteen, Elliot. Yes, exactly. Oh, I don't yeah. know. Um the last thing I wanted to ask you about is 
What did you think about the decision to have a post credit scene with a plane crash? Did you think that was over the top? Antonio! <laughs> I mean, we had to have a post credit scene, right? Stop, like, so why, why make it a plane crash? Stop, stop, stop. No, stop, of course, stop. there was no post credit scene. And I guess that makes sense, right? Like, there is no more of There's the story to There's nothing more to watch. Yeah, it's over. Yeah. It's over. No more post credits. It's over. And I, I hope that there is never a sequel. I hope that there is nothing else. I think it is perfect uh, the way that it is. Uh, you, love, you love the phrase, to stick the landing. Mr. Robot is officially unstuck in time, but the but the landing was stuck and struck as well, as far There's as no I'm crash. concerned. Uh, no crash. But I'm curious to get the take from the listeners. I'm sure that there will be people out there who are unsatisfied with the finale. I would love to know why. Um, the people who loved the finale want to hear from you as well. Theories that you've got from the finale, as long as you're not going to come at me and say that none of it was real uh i will entertain it seriously i'll even entertain some of that stuff i'm not a, I, I won't go full scrooge here uh i will just uh judge you slightly harshly uh moving forward uh but we want to hear all of your takes <laughs> Damn, for dark. for our for our next show our final show antonio you and i've been talking about mr robot forever and that's about to change uh so we've got one final show coming your way coming to your feed uh it's going to depend on your feedback it'll have some of our evaluation of course, as well. Send in your feedback. MRRobot at postshowrecaps.com is our email address. You can also tweet at us at postshowrecaps, at roundhoward, at AC Mazzaro, two Zs, one R, one show left here on the Mr. Robot podcast. Uh, happy holidays for those who are celebrating the myriad holidays that are happening right now. Uh, we will be back uh, later in the week going to be plenty of days for you to get that feedback and we're not recording until december 26th so get us that feedback antonio anything else no one more episode to go of this podcast josh and that's unless we could convince sam Mill to come on here or uh the actor who played uh mobley all right well we'll see we'll see what we can do maybe that's something we could do in january when i return uh until the feedback show everybody take care goodbye